Hello and welcome back to the Power Switch, gaming's call-in talk radio show. My name is Peter Spezia, and today is September 10th, 2017. This is the 37th episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We use Discord as a means to add and drop callers to talk about video games and switch the power that is found in a typical gaming podcast. You can join our server to participate during recordings at rhymeswithasia.com call. On today's episode, the Nindy Showcase for Summer 2017 and South Park's difficulty making a social statement in our headline roundup. Our main topic is game skill versus game critique. We'll get to your calls if you're tuning in live on Discord, and then we'll end the show with the month in games for September 2017 with the game releases there. Some housekeeping, this is the first show in my new house. Uh, wife and I moved a couple weeks ago. Actually, it was... It was last week already? It was one week ago. Wow, time flies, honestly. So yeah, last week we were just way too busy to record and didn't have everything set up. We even had just gotten the lights installed, but nothing else. And uh, so, yeah, new place, very exciting. I got to play some games this week. So I got to play Uncharted The Lost Legacy. Uh, that's a must play for any Uncharted fan. It's, it doesn't hit the highs of, of 2 and 3, but still a really solid game. I like the pacing of it. It's a 7 to 8 hour experience, so it doesn't really get too long in the tooth. Uh, the puzzles were really engaging, and I thought it was nice to have uh, the characters of Chloe and Nadine. So a really solid game. Uh, Naughty Dog just always puts forth really high quality, so it's it's better than a lot of what the game industry has to offer, in my opinion. Uh, but it, it's not... It's not among the best Uncharted games, in my opinion, though some very good moments. Uh, Life is Strange Before the Storm played episode one that's out now. It's going to be a three-part episodic series uh, developed by Deck Nine instead of Don't Nod. You think that could have been a flop, you know, just not as good. Like, why did they make this? But it's actually a, a really competent installation. I, I think, you know, it could have gone poorly, but I think it set up a lot of good things. This is the prequel to Life is Strange. So it's it's the the meeting and relationship of Chloe Price and Rachel Amber. Uh, yes, it is marred a bit with the, the voice actor strike where the voice actors aren't the same and you, you get a little adjusted to it over time. I think the performances are overall good. Uh, but when you spend so much time with Chloe in Life is Strange and it's, it's not the same voice of Ashley Birch. It does make a difference there, but they set up some good things. It's it's a good first episode, um, not a, a big cliffhanger at the end like the original Life is Strange was, but I, I'm excited to play more of it. Um, that was that could have been really bad, but it's it's actually a really really strong game. There started Destiny two. I know like many other people in the game industry, it seems uh, I only got up to really just getting to the EDZ. Uh, you know, just starting that first main mission just accepted that one so really not too far in at all but just you know got that going played homecoming it's it seems to be a pretty fun game I'll, I'll be looking forward to getting back into it as i don't have any other destiny experience so i didn't have the the emotions at the beginning uh for for those who had played the game before and then i got into more of yakuza zero uh really only into chapter two uh with the real estate Tachibana got to to meet him and what's his deal? What what is what makes him so interesting? So uh, that's that's a different game, but I'm I'm having fun with it. And I'm looking forward to trying all the different mini games and exploring that Japanese open world there. So lots to play. You know, I've been waking up early, had some really rough sleep, 
this weekend, so I had some some time to put towards games. But let's catch you up with the biggest gaming headlines from the past week. It's our headline roundup. So yeah, a couple weeks ago, we actually had the Nindy Showcase, the Nintendo Independent sort of had a little broadcast, direct, what have you, for summer 2017 games. Got to see many games, I'd say around 20 games or so, but some highlights that stood out for me, Super Meat Boy Forever, finally seeing gameplay for that for 2018. Uh, you're seeing attacking and sliding to mix up into the, the Meat Boy gameplay, so that's, that's fun to see. The final DLC installation for Shovel Knight, that's King of Cards featuring King Knight. Also kind of a little card game in there, I think that's interesting. Also with the, the Amiibo tri-pack announced for, for Plague Knight, for Spectre Knight, for King Knight. That, you know, good to see more Shovel Knight Amiibo support, definitely liking that. Also, you know, the big one at the end of the, the Nindy Showcase was No More Heroes Travis Strikes Again. Uh, it's not a No More Heroes 3 per se, but getting another No More Heroes game, a 10-year anniversary game for that series, which, gosh, makes me feel really old on top of that. But I'm uh, going to be partnering with different indie uh, games. So, you know, Hotline Miami is going to be one of them. Shovel Knight is going to be one of them. Different little mini games associated with that. Very excited to see what comes out of that for 2018. Uh, I think there were a lot of other small games out there that, you know, could be maybe I mean, Golf Story caught my eye as one of them. There were really a lot of small indie titles coming out on Switch. You know, the, the Vita 2.0 essentially taking the portable indie game experience and Switch is the perfect machine for that. So good to see them build more games on that front. Uh, though it was interesting that there were no word on release dates for Ukulele, for Stardew Valley, for Rocket League, you know, for at least those first two, they're saying we're close. We're close. You know, give us a little bit more time. We'll have some news on that front. But it would have been nice to see it in that Nindy showcase per se. PlayStation Plus games for summer 2017, uh, September 2017 rather. Uh, PlayStation 4, you have Infamous Second Son, which was a launch game for PS4, but a really solid one. Uh, you don't have to play the first two Infamous games if you're interested. Uh, you know, jump in that one. They make some very light references. If anything, it was a knock against that game, you know, going into it for infamous fans saying, we want more connection to the first two games. Uh, story isn't great on Infamous Second Son, but you know, it was a, it was a really nice launch game, fun gameplay and uh, really nice graphics, especially for that time. Uh, I had a lot of fun personally with Second Son. It did kind of fizzle out at the end narratively, but uh, a fun game. If you get the chance, First Light, the DLC, standalone expansion for that also really really fun also strike vector ex on ps4 on ps3 we get truck racer and handball 2016 which if that's not a sign of they eventually need to do away with some of these games that's that would probably be for the best have more of a budget to go towards the current generation of systems on vita though you get we are doomed and hot Toful boyfriend those are also cross by on ps4 and then here's the interesting note from this month psvr gets a game. It's uh, Rigs. That's really interesting. They kind of are touting this as a bonus, like a bonus game that you get. And not that, you know, we'll get a, a PSVR game every month, but I bet they're testing the waters for that. See how many people go and add that to their library. At least do that. Go to the PlayStation Store if you have a PS4. Add it to your library, even if you don't have PSVR. I mean, if you get that down the line, that just means you'll have another game built in. So, a uh, pretty solid month for September 2017 for PlayStation Plus and its free games. 
definitely some other stories kind of made waves during this week. And one of them was South Park, the Fractured But Whole, having its difficulty rating change the color of your skin, making it Oh, very easy and, you know, a very white character on the easiest difficulty. And then as you moved it to very difficult, your skin tone darkened. Uh, saying that it didn't really affect the combat, but that, you know, you would get less money as the game got more difficult and characters would treat you more harshly in conversation. Uh, it's, you know, you say what you will about South Park. You know, if any game could take a stand like this, it would probably be... South Park with, you know, the, the past, you know, repertoire to be able to do so. Um, I think it's a good thing for the game industry to at least explore and, you know, putting it right out there. Like this is really tackling racism, not only in America, but maybe even around the world. And, you know, and I guess Cartman has a line in there that says, you know, it doesn't really affect, you know, the gameplay, but this just, you know, how you interact in everyday life. And it's like, well, that's, it's pretty on the nose. I think it's, it's interesting to make a headline here but I think many people would be interested to see how it's actually implemented. Let's see it in action before we, you know, start making any judgments on the mechanic as a whole. But it, it's a bold, a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it pays off for them. I'm, I'm overall more happy that games are taking more risks like this, though. Destiny 2 is featuring one-time use microtransactions. These are shaders, which I guess kind of you know, color your outfits. I guess in the first Destiny there were just one color for all of your outfit, uh, but now you can, you know, color different things. You can color your ghost, your your accompanying character, uh, your guns, all of these have different shaders. And for microtransactions to be in a loot box form that gets you a random color, that I think that's that's reaching a bit far. I mean, that's Activision seeing the success of loot boxes for for Overwatch and you know again you could say cosmetic what have you but uh, man I don't know if I'd, I'd go necessarily that far to apply it to this in Destiny they say once you hit level 20 you get tons and tons of shaders so again it's the whole these can be acquired in game sort of thing but I think it's a little predatory especially when if a certain person wants a certain color uh, and, you know, to put on one of their uh, their outfits or, or their ghost. Out of all the different colors in that palette, to put that up to a loot box, little little skeezy. I don't know. I don't know. I would not would not do that. But I can understand the the backlash there. We'll see if that gets changed in the near future with patches and whatnot. LA Noir is getting a current gen port as well as a VR game coming to HTC Vive, you know, cases from the original game made in VR. But the big deal, LA Noir coming to Nintendo Switch. Now, the cart version of the game, the physical version, may have that $10 markup that we've been seeing for some other games. Uh, but you know, that's that's a solid game. Good to see Rockstar get in on the Nintendo Switch front, even if it's with an older game. I, you know, some people knock LA Noir. Uh, yeah, it's not the perfect game that was my first ps3 game that i played i i have fond memories with that game yeah it's it's it has all the team bondi poor development you know stories attached to it but i had fun with that game would i double dip and get this f even for switch probably not i i do have it on ps3 now if you played it on xbox 360 and you had three discs for that game i can understand you know jumping to switch maybe but uh, i have it for ps3 i think i'm okay there but Good to see Rockstar get in on it. It does bring up the question, 
Is there eventually maybe a Grand Theft Auto 5 PS3-like port that we could maybe see on Nintendo Switch, especially with all the GTA Online things. Not saying a, a GTA 6. I mean, a, a new GTA will not be coming to Switch. You know, the world's too big, all the technology and whatnot. But if GTA 5 worked on PS3, like L.A. Noir did, I I wonder if they're going to test the market there uh, for for Rockstar on Switch. Uh, <laughs> Player Unknown's Battlegrounds continues to be a gaming phenomenon. Honestly, one I have not touched. But, you know, they just passed the 10 million mark in sales. They passed the 1 million concurrent mark on Steam. It's on that way to, to pass Dota 2 there. It's one of the gaming phenomenons of this year. And you can say it's it's an early access game. It isn't, you know, totally in you know full development, I suppose. But a lot of people are playing it. A lot of people are loving it. It's It's taking off in the community way that Overwatch did last year. And that's... Really fascinating to see and will be interesting to see at the end of the year with Game of the Year conversations. And where do people put PUBG there? Uh, you know, it just it continues to take off. Gamescom a couple weeks ago, that game was at 8 million sold. And now it's already at 10? I mean, sky's the limit, it seems like, for that kind of game. Now, we'll see, of course, many, you know, bigger games. I mean, Grand Theft Auto V, we already mentioned as an example. Uh, you know, kind of adapting this kind of battle royale mode. So I don't think we'll be seeing the last of those, especially for, you know, the industry loves to follow its trends, but it's really remarkable to see the rise of PUBG this year. And finally, Miiverse will be going away at the end of this year. The Nintendo social network that started on 3DS and Wii U, or actually started on Wii U, moved over to 3DS. Petering out, fading away, uh, November 7th, 10 p.m. Eastern Time will be the last time that uh, Miiverse will be up. People are trying to save all the drawings. I think that's commendable. I mean, that's really where Miiverse took off, aside from the uh, laughable, you know, gaming questions. How does Metroid crawl? Things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, got to preserve those those pieces of artwork. I, you know, I it'll be a sad time. I, I wish Miiverse came to Switch in some capacity. I, I do... I do wish that for sure, but it will be the end of the era, you know, in a few months time. But let's get to our main topic, uh, calling it game skill versus game critique. And it's it's something that really got my blood boiling this week a little bit um, to see, you know, a, a games journalist like Dean Takahashi over at GamesBeat, which is part of that VentureBeat network. Uh, he's a great industry business analyst. You know, has is broken stories in the past about especially you know the Xbox 360 red rings and he's been around for a while he's been writing good articles but he's not necessarily a game reviewer per se and uh, had an issue when he was at Gamescom playing Cuphead and gosh you look look up Dean Takahashi Cuphead and the whole whole thing spirals out of control from there uh, essentially there was a 26 minute a video of his gameplay from this sort of media event, him playing Cuphead. He does not play platformers well. I think he'd be the first to admit that. And so when he's going through the tutorial for Cuphead, it's it's a tough watch. Like I'll, I'll admit that like, that is a it's a cringeworthy watch. You know, he's struggling to jump and dash at the same time. You know, with that whole run and gun Mega Man style of gameplay, but. People jump to conclusions, don't do research. I mean, I had an article, not an article, I don't, I don't write that much, but so I had a podcast about 
maybe six months ago at this point. It was probably episode 16 or so of the show. And it was a failure to communicate in games. And the issue there was we were looking at different people at the time, people in the industry, and how we don't know how to properly communicate with these people in the games industry. And so for Dean Takahashi to have this video come out and it it brings up a whole discussion of do you need to be able to play games well in order to write about games? I think my take on is when it comes down to it, if you can write about games well, if you can critique games well, then who cares how well you play games, all right? There's so many different genres. You can't be expected to play every type of game well. Uh, Now, Dean responded to this whole situation just kind of billowing out of control. Could he have done so sooner? Could he have gotten on top of the message a little sooner? I think, yeah, that could have could have had a, a that would have done, been done better. Uh, but I, you know, it it brings up Gamergate again. And when I you know, I hate to say it, but when they get brought up in the conversation, uh, things get toxic incredibly quickly. Uh, it's, it's the whole the m- m- ethics in game journalism. Uh, you know, game skill versus game critique. I think if if I had a take on it, maybe it would be that some of these people wish they could work in the industry, wish they could be paid to play games. They think, I've spent so much time playing games. I think I'm amazing at games. Therefore, I can critique games very well. Therefore, I can write about games very well. And so I should be in the industry. I should be paid to write about games. I should get paid and you know have these free games sent my way. And that's not the same. Uh, it's it's a really big hot button discussion right now. Uh, and I'm, I'm not even sh- too much sure how, how I can expand on it. And this is where we need you guys to call into the show and participate and, and get your feedback there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, my, my gist of it is that, you know, you got to you got to be able to write about games and critique games if you are a games journalist. And that's even if you're reviewing games. I mean, what Dean was doing, he was giving a preview, just a hands-on preview, not even a review at all. He's not going to review Cuphead. He knows that, you know, granted, it's, it's on the outlet to schedule people for review who who know at least, I think, the conventions of the genre well. I think that's on the outlet. But yeah, if Dean's not even reviewing Cuphead, which he's not, then in my opinion, why is it such a big deal? I don't know why this spiraled out of control so quickly. And I think it's, it's making way too much out of a situation, but it does bring up an interesting point of discussion where, you know, do you have to be great at games or, you know, at least competent at something if you're going to be reviewing. So let's, let's talk about it. Let's, let's get that out there. So that's what I have to say. When we come back, we will get to the callers. We could talk about that main topic. We could talk about any of our headlines in that headline roundup. It could be any game that you're playing recently. Anything's on the table there. That's all when we come back here on the Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch. So if you're joining us on YouTube and watching the, the edit of this episode, uh, you know, the, the studio setup, it's functional. 
but not ideal yet. So I've had to crop the webcam. And so at a certain point, my arms get cut off here. And that's not ideal. We'll, we'll get that, that fixed soon. But uh, it's all about monitor placement and webcam direction. And so if, if that happens and if I get too expressive and my, my hands get cut off here, that's why. I know it doesn't mean much on audio. But anyway, let's get to our callers. See what you guys have to say. Joining us from New Jersey, Matt, welcome back to the Power Switch. How are you? Hey, how's it going? Doing pretty well. Good, good. Good to hear from you. What did you have in mind to talk about today? Um, it's not my main topic, but I will touch briefly on the Dean Takahashi thing. Mm-hmm. Um, every thought that I have on that has already been written by uh, George Weedman, who, uh, the creator of the Super Bunny Hop channel. Mm-hmm. He wrote an article for his Patreon that he uh, opened up for everyone, not just patrons, about the issue that I highly recommend reading. But the the basic argument that he makes is that there is a difference between games journalism and games criticism. Yeah. Uh, you should definitely expect that people who are criticizing games, making critiques of them, should have a basic proficiency with the game to understand it and know, you know, know whether it handles itself well based on the actual play of it. But mm-hmm. journalism isn't criticism. You don't need to play a game well to be able to report on what's going on with the business of it. Super Bunny Hop's channel itself recently had the piece on uh, tax evasion among game developers. Yeah, and. You don't you don't need to be able to play a game to be able to write that story. So Dean Takahashi, if he's acting as a journalist, we shouldn't we shouldn't criticize him for his skills as a gamer. Although in the past he has had some questionable criticisms of uh, of games in reviews that he did write, and also his his article on Cuphead had a blatant factual error that went uncorrected for almost two weeks. So mm-hmm. I'm not certain he's the hill to die on. Right, right, and it's. Yeah, it's people who kind of, I guess, spur up a lot of the the whole Gamergate topics that really just made the situation a whole lot worse. I, I know uh, one of them was Ian Miles Chong, who's you know alt right, you know, viewpoints and all that, and, and get, nothing that Chong says has any value to me yeah, because exactly, he, yeah. he he started out uh, writing uh, as a liberal, and then as soon as Gamergate started and being alt right became trendy, he switched. So mm-hmm. he has no principles. Yeah, and uh, I, I th- think if I know what your your main topic is going to be, though, he he also just recently made a, a similar comment for for what's what's now like it's a breaking gaming news story, I suppose, as of our recording right now. But uh, let's talk about PewDiePie. Yes, so this issue started just today, um, just hours ago, with um, PewDiePie during a stream casually dropped a, a racial slur mm. which is an, an entirely an entire story in itself i think with the hard the, r uh yes that, yeah. that one too mm-hmm. um and i i think that he is i think that he's disgusting even if he's not openly racist he's mm. clearly okay with being racist i'm on the side to condemn him uh, but sean vanneman from uh, the co-founder of campus santo co-director of firewatch is filing a DMCA takedown against PewDiePie's Firewatch videos and any future Campo Santo games over these statements, mm. uh, which starts to open very big questions about copyright law. Yeah, it is my personal belief that if you condemn copy uh, copyright abuse on Monday, you can't defend a company's copyright abuse on Tuesday just because they're targeting the bad guys now. So. What I see in Sean Vanneman and Camp Santo right now is I see it as copyright abuse because either 
PewDiePie is infringing on the copyright of your content or he isn't. So if you do not see what he's doing as as copyright infringement for so many you know for so many months so many years until he does something in an unrelated video that you don't that you disapprove of he's not suddenly infringing on your content now you are choosing to enforce your your copyright for an unrelated reason now right um which is a very dangerous thing to do right now because let's plays specifically are in a questionable gray area. They have never been tested in court. And no one really wants to be the first one to test it in court because if they lose and it's it's ruled that Let's Plays are not fair use, then it is now 100% illegal and everyone's going to go after them. So no one wants to be the one that gets Let's Plays ruled as, as illegal. But this might be leading towards it because I think PewDiePie... If, if he chooses to fight back, he is going to try to argue that what he's doing is fair use. And he could lose that. I hope that he would that he would win that so that Let's Plays are now permanently fair use because I enjoy Let's Plays very much. But I'm not confident that he would. Mm. And I don't believe that you can start being, you can start acting like the bad guys just because you're targeting the bad guys. Uh, so I don't, I don't approve of what Sean Vanneman and Camposanto are doing with uh, the PewDiePie situation at all. And I think this this is really, really dangerous, setting legal precedents in an area that we are depending on there not being legal precedents for. It's a tough call because I think they're well within their right to ask that they don't want to have their company and their brand associated with uh, someone who's it's, it's going to probably turn into a, sort of a firestorm there. But you're right. I don't agree with the means in which they are using it. I mean, DMCA is a very specific usage. It, yeah, as you said, it's for copyright infringement. It's right there in the name, yeah. Digital Millennium Copyright Act. So I think you know maybe the first way, and I'm I'm not sure if they went this route, but you know, uh, trying to privately contact PewDiePie and say, hey, can you know you take down your Let's Play of us? I think that probably should have been. The first way to go. I get that they want to seem like they're proactive and try to act in front of it and you know make a statement that you know we we denounce him saying this and, and his views, but you know, you've also benefited in the past from his coverage of your game. So which is something that um Sean Vanneman did bring up in his Twitter thread about it. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, I'll quote him here, furthermore, we're complicit. I'm sure we've made money off the 5.7 million views that video has had, and that's something for us to think about. Yeah. So he he is aware of that fact, too. And this is a very tricky situation to, to talk about because it's total breaking news. His, this uh, Sean started tweeting about it uh, just two and a half hours ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's interesting to see a lot of you know, game journalists, some who do reviews and all that really bring up that, you know, because yeah, as we bring back Ian Miles Song, this is someone who is saying, oh, great. Can, like, can we not have this become a big deal? We'll just watch how 10 stories are going to be written about this. It's like, oh, th- this isn't a big deal, but suddenly, you know, you know, not being able to play Cuphead well, that's what's really harming the game industry. Like, come on. It's, it's a lot of people like him trying to push their own narrative by far. Yeah, I think this is a dangerous place to go. Yeah, and um, I, I hope that, you know, we'll see how it develops in the hours and days to come, but I hope we don't see other, you know, game studios thinking like, oh, 
this is the right way to go and jump on that to to try to if they think that they're gonna say that they're trying to make a statement by following this lead, like I, I think that that would be a, a dangerous case because you know, as you said, like if any YouTuber or you know digital media personality can and would fight back, it's going to be the person with the number one you know most subscribed YouTube channel on the entire platform. Yeah, and something else that I've just found out is that the Firewatch website specifically says that you know anyone can stream content from the game. Mm. So it um, they don't really have a leg to stand on with this right now. Yeah, and it's interesting uh, to see Firewatch be brought back into the mix. I mean, that's it's a game from last year. I want to say early last year, uh, February 9th, twenty sixteen. Yeah, so it's so so, early last year. So it's it's still been some time, uh, you know, a year and a half or so. And so uh, to have it brought back in the mix like this is is rather rather interesting. It is a lot of things coming together all at once, and we're gonna we're gonna see a lot of how this turns out over the coming days. And this might become a major story over the next couple months. Mm-hmm. So, Matt, so. I'm playing some games where I know your your game interests this year directly lie. Uh, one oh. of them I mentioned at the top of the show. I'm making some progress into Yakuza Zero. Uh, so, so you um, you have only played as Kiryu so far, right? And I know we got got Majima still to come, but mm-hmm. all right. So that should be Ma- it. Should be fun. I'm I'm enjoying it so far. I think that Yakuza 0 uh, is definitely the best place to start playing this franchise. Uh, I've just finished Yakuza Kiwami myself, which um, I enjoyed it very much, and I really loved being able to see where the series started. But despite being literally a from-the-ground-up remake, it is still kind of closer to an HD remaster than mm. it is to a full remake. Mm. Like, I'd, I'd say it's it's more... My ideal remake is from the original Metroid to Zero Mission. Right. Where they, they pull in a lot of modern game design conventions and completely redo everything while still being the same experience. Uh, Yakuza Kiwami sticks to a lot of 2005 game design. Mm, yeah. Uh, as well as, despite the new graphics, the cutscenes have the same animation and rigging as the original game. <laughs> so I still I still recommend Yakuza Kiwami. I think it's still one of the better games I've played uh, I've, one of the better games I've played this year, but there are some glaring faults with it. Mm-hmm. Well, so it's, it's, Yakuza Zero, the best place to start, both from a story perspective and a gameplay perspective, so that you really understand what the Yakuza series is about at its best. That's good. That's good. And then you know they just announced Kiwami Two uh, in yes. a special Yakuza event that's coming at the end of this year in Japan. So I'm sure next year, uh, it's been remarkable to see how that series has picked up uh, westward. Yeah, actually, they they announced that the only reason they are making Kiwami 2 at all is because of how well-received Yakuza has been in the West recently. Mm, wow. So that is incredibly exciting, and I'm actually planning on playing through the entire Yakuza series uh, before Yakuza 6 comes out in March. That's right, March for, for that, yeah, and Yakuza 6. Wow. No, it's, I even it's bought crazy. a PlayStation 3 for this because <laughs> I'm insane and have no restraint. Well, they got to be pretty cheap around now around this time and then it was actually on sale um i got a 320 gigabyte model for 129 dollars with two pre-owned games under 20 dollars. that's awesome yeah i i have that 320 gig model it's a a good one to have it'll it'll be sturdy and it'll uh it'll serve you well now i know Mm -hmm. you also you finished uh near automata you mentioned that when we were last on the show that you were just starting it you didn't even really get to ending a yet make the case for me why i have to go back and play this and not just watch the rest of it on YouTube after that I only is, got through A. 
that is extraordinarily difficult without spoilers. Okay. Uh, but Nier Automata is what I consider to be one of the best uses of making a narrative in a game because the narrative is like be, the fact that it's a game is incorporated into the narrative mm. and the story that is being told like this this a lot of people are going to consider this a hot take but I consider games like Uncharted to be the worst use of narrative in games because mm. you're not doing anything in the Uncharted series that you couldn't do in a film from a narrative perspective it's it, it, it's it's essentially just a, a movie put into a game engine which is why you know if, if people like Uncharted I don't want to say not to like it but it's not it's not the height of what the medium could be right I'll, I'll give you that as someone who does love Uncharted I'll give you that yeah it's like it's like when film first became a thing they were basically just stage plays captured in a camera and you know we're for, we're about 40 years into game history 40 years into film we were just getting around to sound mm. we we were just starting to get talkies and near automata um which is actually how automata is how the game pronounces its own name in the really? dialogue wow okay um near automata is i think it's where we're starting to get into sound in film but in games now we're starting to experiment with stories that can only be told in this medium and I understand your gripe that you didn't like the gameplay so much. Um, so I, I can't fault you for that. If it's not your thing, I can't say that you're going to you're going to think it changes up very much. But it's a story that will mean less to you if you are not playing it, mm. because the story is built around you playing it, and it's like the ending literally could not be done in another medium. It is only an ending that you could do in a game the, of ending E. So, like I said, very, very difficult for me to talk about without spoilers. Right. And I don't, don't but, want you to do that for sure because, yeah, I think you have that very highly on your, your game of the year list. It's dropped to $35 on a sale price on you know, Amazon and, and GameStop. So I'm, I'm tempted, tempted to pick it back up and own it because it seems to be one of those, you know, it'll be one of the better titles in the PS4's library. Yeah, um, it is personally my game of the year, and I think it is it it is my favorite game that I have played. Wow! Um, because of again, I did end up liking the gameplay, so that is something to keep in mind when I say that. But the way that it constructed its narrative in such a way that affected me so deeply by being a game, by having the player be a part of the experience. The fact that you are experiencing it yourself, that you're in the world, is a part of the narrative. And it's acknowledged in the, in the narrative. And I can't, like, I, I can't say that any game has made me feel the way that I did finishing Nier Automata. So wow. it, it was a very unique experience for me that I fell in love with. And uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to stick with me for a very long time. Well, case closed. I will have to give that one another shot then. Well, Matt, thank you so much for calling in. Really appreciate the time. Anything you'd like to plug? Um, actually, there is a, there's an interesting little thing just came out that, that is probably going to get cease and desisted by Nintendo almost immediately. <laughs> uh, there is a mod for Super Mario 64 that can be done with any N64 emulator. It is a multiplayer mod where you can have, and I'm quoting the trailer here, you can have more players than you could ever want playing simultaneously. In um, in a cooperative Super Mario sixty four experience, 
and you don't need to be on the same map at all times. You don't need to like you don't even need to be in the same world in the game at the same time. You can be playing Super Mario 64 simultaneously in uh if you've ever played Kirby and the Amazing Mirror, it's very similar to the co-op in that where you can be in totally different parts of the game cooperatively working towards the goal of finishing the game, but uh different different parts of it at the same time. So I could be in Bob on Battlefield while you could be over in I almost said Freeze Easy Peak. That's bad. You could be in, <laughs> you could be in Womp's Fortress, mm. uh, collecting different stars at the time, counting towards our same star total. Cool. And uh, I've been testing around with it. Uh, it's it's kind of tough to get working, and you need to either know how to do fo- port forwarding or have uh, a third party program like Hamachi to connect you over an artificial land network to be able to play with people over the internet. But it works natively on LAN connections, and it's reminding me that Super Mario 64 doesn't have the best controls in the world, but it is <laughs> it is definitely a ton of fun. Well, if Nintendo does apply that cease and desist to the game download by the time this is out, I hope at least the, the trailer remains in perpetuity. That'd be yes. very interesting to see. And um, I think one of the most interesting things that we realistically could see is a GDQ run of this game with oh, four people boy. doing different stars at once. Yeah. No, entirely possible. Entirely possible. Well, Matt, thank you so much. You have a great night, all right? Sure thing. Thank you very much. Thanks. All right, thanks for calling in. When we come back, we will talk about the September 2017 game releases. It'll be this month in games. You don't want to miss it. That's when we come back here on the Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch. This week's Tempo Control Music is brought to you by Metroid Prime 3 Corruption. You can find a new video game music top 10 list from a specific game soundtrack every Tuesday over at youtube.com slash rhymes with Asia. Let's get to this month in games. We're going to talk about the September 2017 game releases. These are the ones that are currently planned. Of course, there may be stealth releases that just pop up during the month, but... You know, this is our first episode for September 2017, so we're going to kind of go through the big game releases planned here. We already have a couple that are already out. We start with September 5th, NAC 2, baby! NAC 2 on PS4, an exclusive, uh, you know, coming off of NAC, that launch title. NAC 2 getting some middling scores. Just, it's it's all right. It's, you know, kind of around, hover around 70 there. Uh, it's not... Bad by any means, but uh, you know, a lot of people hype up Neck 2 for PS4, but that is finally out. September 6th, Wednesday release, an unusual one, but for Destiny 2, one of the biggest releases of the year. You know, Activision has, has a big stake uh, you know, behind this one, just waiting for this you know, to, to kind of refresh the Destiny formula refresh that community and that's where everyone's starting from scratch i mean you know destiny players can kind of you know bring over their memories but they don't get to keep their loot uh you know narrative for narrative reasons you know things start over and i'm someone who's coming into that series new and fresh with two um you know it seems seems pretty fun so far but a lot of people who are destiny fans are raving about it and that's uh that's exciting to see it'll be very interesting to see what happens when the full reviews drop because, you know, at launch, you know, the, the big raid wasn't ready. So a lot of reviews in progress for Metacritic, but uh, I'm going to guess pretty high scores coming when those those actual reviews come for Destiny 2. 
Uh, September 8th already, we had Monster Hunter stories come out on Nintendo 3DS. This is kind of the more turn-based RPG sort of Monster Hunter story we talked about a couple weeks ago with the the anime versus the game, and hopefully we'll get Video Game Guru 64 back to tell us all about it next time. That'd be really interesting to hear about. September 15th, though, as we move up, you know, throughout the rest of the month, Dishonored Death of the Outsider comes to PS4, Xbox One, and PC. This is the, I believe it's standalone DLC for Dishonored 2. Uh, so some more Dishonored goodness there. Metroid Samus returns a big release for 3DS. I wish that there was a Switch version for that game. Maybe there'll be a port eventually. Uh, but, you know, show Samus some love, you know, get get the hype behind that one seems to be very good you know the the metroid 2 remake you know kind of updating it for some new actions you got the the kind of the counter punch in a way there uh, should be should be fun to play that one i'm looking forward to that one definitely nhl 18 for ps4 and xbox one uh, I, I wish that the nhl series continued you know in the last generation it was the best sports franchise bar none and it's kind of taking a backseat uh, this generation. A lot of very sameness kind of moving along, but it's always interesting to note the big EA Sports game releases. September 19th, we have Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Uh, there seems to be some some better reviews. I mean, there's it's been a tough sort of go for Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite with some of the, the models and the animation there, but in action, the game looks really... Really nice, really visually appealing. The roster's okay. It's not great. It's trying to take the more Marvel cinematic approach, but I'd be interested to hear what you know that fighting game community thinks about Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite when they get their hands on it on the 19th. Also on the 19th, NBA 2K18. That is the sports game of this generation, the NBA 2K series. PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, PC, PS3, Xbox 360, Yes, continuing on those past platforms. Uh, this game came up in some news. I think it was, I believe it was this one, where it's uh, on Nintendo Switch, a, a SD card will be needed for NBA 2K18. It's just that big of a game on Switch. So, you know, hopefully those players on Switch know what they're getting into. They sh- should have bought a, a SD card there, the micro SD rather, to just put into that Switch system there to give yourself some extra storage, especially if you're doing digital. I mean, my goodness, you you know, try to get those physical games to try to offset some of those big digital downloads, though. September 21st, SteamWorld Dig 2. That was, you know, kind of shown for the last couple indies, uh, the Nindy showcases on PS4, Nintendo Switch, and PC. Hopefully we'll see good things from SteamWorld Dig 2. That's one of the big nindies for sure september 22nd pokken tournament dx comes to nintendo switch that's an exclusive there building off a pokken tournament those arcade dlc characters from japan come over uh you know had the there's a demo out there give it a try if you're really interested in that game and then project cars 2 also on the 22nd uh you know again building more off of what project cars did a couple years ago it seemed to do pretty well, uh, but that's a very competitive sort of game and genre overall with, with Forza, with Gran Turismo, and, and Project Cars now there. You even have things like Dirt. Dirt 4 came out uh, a few weeks ago or a couple months ago. So very competitive there, but yeah, on PS4, Xbox One, PC for Cars 2. 
September 26th, it's Danganronpa V3 Killing Harmony on PlayStation 4 and Vita. Uh, this is hopefully the conclusion to that Danganronpa series, but you know we'll see if they can continue with spinoffs and all that. But it's kind of taking the first two games, continuing those arcs a bit in the anime, and then bringing it all, I think, to a conclusion here. Uh, very exciting to see what happens when you know you have battle royale teens trying to kill each other to escape uh, imprisonment in a way, and then uh, have the class trials go at it. So. Very excited for that one, personally. And then also, Batman the Enemy Within, Episode 2. This is Telltale Batman on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Episode 2 on the 26th. uh, Getting some more Batman villains into the mix. So, if you've been playing the first episode, you probably have an inkling of uh, who a couple of those will be. Telltale puts a really interesting spin on these these Batman motley crew of villains and... uh, should see what their big twists are for these characters as well. And then September 29th, we mentioned Cuphead earlier in the show on Xbox One and PC. That game comes out then. Does it live up to the hype? Have they fixed the side-scrolling games? Is it really too hard? We'll have to see. FIFA 18, also on the 29th. PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, PC, PS3, and 360. The Nintendo Switch version built from the ground up. Apparently a decent port, but you know not the full... PS4 and Xbox One version, uh, but FIFA, FIFA's big around the world, but, you know, when we're talking, like, 2K with the sports game kind of dominance, at least FIFA is one of the better reviewed games on the EA Sports front in this generation. And also on September 29th, Star Fox 2. That's right, the Super Nintendo Classic, SNES Classic, comes out on the 29th. If you had that pre-orders, I mean, well done to you. Um, we'll see how Star Fox 2 holds up and, and plays on that game. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a big month for games. We're in that big fall cycle. Uh, what am I looking to play this month then? I'll play Metroid Samus Returns. I'll give Danganronpa V3 a shot, and I'm also interested in Cuphead. And of course, I'm going to continue playing Batman, and we'll see if any stealth releases come out then. But those are my picks for the month. should be an exciting month in games. We'll, we'll keep doing this at the beginning of each month, uh, the first episode that we have for the month to kind of keep track of where all these releases are are planned out for that time being. And that'll do it for this episode of The Power Switch. We are hosted by RhymesWithAsia.com and we're on YouTube and Twitch at RhymesWithAsia. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Power Switch. And you can email us any questions, concerns, comments, or opportunities at PowerSwitchPod at gmail.com. You can subscribe to The Power Switch on podcast services such as iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you could be so kind as to leave a review, that would really help as well. But most importantly, to participate in future episodes live, you should join our community on Discord by visiting rhymeswithasia.com slash call. Now, it's a small but growing community, and in these early months of the show, it'll be easier than ever to have your voice heard on this podcast. If you want a YouTube video to watch, check out the launch trailer for Fight of Gods. Ooh, boy, some sacrilegious things going on here. The game actually got the Steam service banned in Malaysia for the time being. Valve had to do some workings with the government. Um... You know, it, it just for the fact that it's it's making those kind of waves. Yeah, the game is trash. When you're talking about Jesus, the Son of God is gonna have some fighting game moves. I mean, just just watch to see that this this exists. But yeah, Valve had to work with the government of Malaysia to 
you know, get Steam back online there, but take that game off the service there. Just, just note that of the, and again, Steam is on a record pace for game releases this year. I mean, I think they've already almost passed 2015 in total game releases already. It, that's that's crazy. So, just if you wanted something to see, almost like the worst that games have to offer in a way, it's it's no Life of Black Tiger. But Fight of Gods, oh boy, go, go check that out. I'd also like to play on the uh, Sonic Mania spoiler cast. We'll have details on that soon. Hopefully in the next coming, uh, excuse me, next couple weeks, we'll have that planned out. Um, but yeah, trying to get this back weekly. Now that we're, we're set in the new place, that should help. Going to make some adjustments, make the, the studio a little more workable, but... I'm glad we could get things back up and running for this week. Stay tuned to our Discord channel as everything develops. And regardless whether it's live or on your own time, look forward to you joining us for our next episode. With that, I am Peter Spasia. Until next time, switch up, call in, game on.